0: How things work out. Uh, <clears throat> you think that you're coming to deliver a word that uh, God has put on your heart. And uh, yeah, I was sitting in the back there, I get a little nervous before I speak. And so I pace. Uh, I pace up and down. Probably looks a little bit weird, but I don't smoke anymore. And it's, uh, this is a non smoking venue in any event. <laughs> so I pace. And uh, while I'm pacing there, uh, there's something that I'm speaking about today as I'm being vulnerable and uh, God speaks a little bit of a word to me. So today we're speaking a little bit uh, about faith and hope and I wonder if your experience uh, is anything like mine. I read about these uh, mighty heroes in the gospel and I read about uh, you know, all of these uh, people that have done these great things yes, and they seem bulletproof. Eh? They seem absolutely bulletproof. Storms come, storms go, yes, and they are steadfast eh? And then I look at my own life, Jesus, and my faith is up and down, eh? up and down. Slightest little setback, yes. and I'm flat on my back. And so, as I'm preaching today, a little bit about faith and hope, I'm actually preaching to myself. So Daryl sent me a message uh, a little over a week ago, and he asked me if I uh, wanted to preach, and my standard answer whenever I get a uh, message like that is, buddy, I'll pray about it, and uh, yeah, I'll get back to you. And neither of us could know that after that invitation that, uh, that he gave me, uh, I received by way of an email a message uh, that hit me like a truck was basically a flat-out attack on my character and my integrity. And, uh, yeah, that kind of erased uh, any thoughts that I'd had of preaching at that particular moment. All I wanted to do initially uh, was lock myself in a room and hide away from the world. And um, while I was uh, just kind of processing all of this, you know, you go through all of those stages, and my first uh, kind of thought, was to react in anger, to write back to this person and say to them, I'd very much like to bury the hatchet uh, very deep in your skull. <laughs> uh, and I wrote that email and I deleted it and I wrote it again and then I deleted it and I wrote it again and I thought, let me just sleep on it and I'll send it in the morning. I'm a bit tired, it was early, I'd been working until about four in the morning and uh, it was just by chance uh, that I'd got uh, picked up this mail. So I thought, maybe I'm just feeling a little ratty. Maybe I should just leave it. The next morning when my wife woke up, Kirsty's my wife. She's sitting at the, the back over there. She's wise, eh? Ew, she's wise. I showed her this email and I told her what I was planning and she was like, you could definitely do that and I understand why you feel like that. But maybe, maybe... Maybe you just want to wait. Anyway, so because my wife is so wise, and I always listen to her <laughs> advice, always listen to your wife's advice, I thought, OK, let me just park this uh, for a little while. But it's going around and around in my head, eh? and it's becoming like quite all-consuming. So last Sunday came around, and I headed off to band practice, and uh, I'm usually here by about half past six, and that early on a Sunday, uh, it feels like the whole world's asleep, actually. And for a few minutes, just in that little drive uh, between my house and the little school hall here in Fairmere, um, you're completely alone with your thoughts, and the whole way there, this thing's going around in the back of my head but at the same time I'm thinking to myself, geez, like, but in a couple of minutes Foxy's going to pop in here and he's going to want to know whether or not I want to preach and I've got these two kind of realities uh, in front of me it's my circumstances and this invitation that I feel that like God is giving me and in that moment I could either focus on these circumstances and say to him, buddy, you know, uh, thanks for the invitation but I've got a lot going on right now I've got this uh, situation to deal with Uh, So I just need to park that. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. I'll do it some other time. But I decided that I would rather focus on God's invitation uh, in that moment. Not 100% sure why I decided that in the moment, but that I decided that's what I was going to do. I knew that I couldn't deal with this situation and prep for preaching uh, this week at the same time, so I decided I would do the preach. A few minutes later, Foxy rocks up in his maroon minibus and while he's chatting, while I'm busy chatting to some of the other guys in the band that have arrived early with Morgan, and I said to Foxy, I choose the invitation. I don't know what situation you're facing right now, there's, there's a lot of things going on. It's the end of the year, it's busy, work's hectic, there's a lot of things going on in your life right now. And I want to say to you that you can focus on your circumstances in this moment, or you can focus on the invitation, you can focus on what God's doing. And those are always the choices that we have before us. So after I told Daryl that I uh, would preach, I sat down on Monday morning in my quiet time and I had no idea of what I was going to preach on. Absolutely nothing. You know, sometimes you've you've gotten a bit of an idea of a seed or something like that and you think to yourself, I can expand on that a little bit. Jesus, and I was flat. I had nothing. And so I thought that we've been looking at the book of Acts and I thought it might be a good idea just to go and have a look back at what we've read um, up until now. As I did that, I was struck by something that Tony had mentioned uh, in a preach that he'd done a couple of weeks ago about bread and crumbs. Yeah. And when I looked at the whole book of Acts, uh, for the, just trying to you know, refresh in my mind uh, what we'd been t- talking about, I suddenly had a different view than I'd had if I'd just had you know, one little snapshot, one little verse, one little chapter uh, to work with. And I felt like I had a new insight. God was suddenly talking to me, and it was amazing. It was amazing, in that quiet time, all of a sudden, uh, I felt like God was telling me what He wanted, uh, putting on my heart what it was that He wanted uh, me to say. So let's take a look at some of the stories that we do see in Acts, just to refresh your memories. I'm sure you guys have got better memories than me, and so you've probably, this is probably going to be old news to you, you've probably had this insight, but let me just go back in any event. So we read in Acts chapter 5. The apostles are thrown in jail. In Acts 5 verse 41, a little bit further down in that same chapter, the apostles are flogged and they leave rejoicing uh, to have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. That's a curious uh, kind of little anecdote there for me. They're arrested and they're flogged and they walk out singing and dancing. Incredible. Acts chapter 6, we see that Stephen is seized in Acts chapter 7 by verse 54, Stephen's been stoned after preaching his one and only, uh, his one and only message. I'm struck by what he says in Acts 7 verse 60. Um, and that comes up on the board there. He says, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And as I was reading that again, Just refreshing my memory of what's been going on in Acts, I was struck by how similar those words were to those spoken by another man who died in the orders of the Sanhedrin. As they appear in Luke 23, where he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Jesus said those words, and I'm struck by how similar they were um, to the word that Stephen had said. Then in Acts chapter 8, uh, they see that a great person, a persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem, and those who are scattered preach the word of the God, or preach word, the word of God wherever they go. In Acts eleven verse nineteen, those who are scattered after the persecution that broke out, after Stephen was killed, fled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Um, just a little bit of a history lesson here to give you some perspective, because I had to look this up. I didn't know where these places were. Jerusalem is in Israel, and Antioch is in Turkey. That's a distance of about 700 kilometers that you've got to travel through Lebanon and Syria uh, to get there. If you're on a camel, that probably feels like 20,000 kilometers, or on a donkey or whatever it was that you've got. If you're walking through the night without any breaks, that's a five-day journey. People don't take a journey like that lightly. The Sanhedrin are no longer uh, playing around at this point. Christians and people who call on the name of Jesus are dying in the streets in Jerusalem. In Acts 14, we see that there are plans to stone the apostles at a place called Iconium. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are put put into prison. They are stripped and beaten. Acts 27, Paul is arrested again. If the earlier church had focused on their circumstances, I wonder if we would have a church today. Maybe you identify with some of these stories. Maybe you feel as though you've put up your hand to live for Jesus, but things are still hard. Maybe you've received some bad news this week. Maybe your work situation is coming to an end. Maybe your partner has told you that they can't can't be in a relationship anymore and they're checking out. I don't know what your circumstances are. But if our faith is dependent on our circumstances, our faith will disappear when the going gets tough. Wow. Wow. Last week when I received that, uh, that email, my faith was low. I felt like I'd been defeated. I'm struck though as I read Acts, how the same names keep cropping up, just as one example, Paul is arrested, Paul is flogged, Paul is chased away, Paul is shipwrecked, Paul is arrested again, I almost want to say to this oak, like, my man, this whole Christianity thing is not working out for you, <laughs> you know, I really want to pull the oak aside and say to him, my man, you know, I understand what you're trying to do, and it's, but yeah, honestly, maybe it's time to call time on this, uh, on this whole Christianity thing but he keeps getting up and he continues because his faith is not dependent on his circumstances we will never be mature christians if we cannot learn to have faith in all circumstances so how are Paul and the apostles able to keep on holding on to the faith when the chips are, keep holding on to their faith when the chips are down How believers throughout the scriptures have been able to keep faith when the chips are down. I'm reminded in the book of Hebrews, uh, at Hebrews 11, uh, by something that, my own little tag for it, you can call it whatever you like, but I call it the Faith Hall of Fame. And we read how, by faith, Enoch did not die. It's a little throwaway verse as you're reading through uh, that section of the scriptures in Genesis. We read about this man named Enoch, whose faith was so great that he did not die. They looked for him, but they could not find him. Isn't that an incredible story? Huh? We read about Noah, who built the ark. And he started building the the ark when it wasn't raining. His next-door neighbors must have thought that he was completely nuts, bro. If I'm living up here on the high felt and my next-door neighbor starts building a boat and says to me, No, uh, it's going to start raining. I'm going to need a boat. Yeah, I don't know how much more I'd have to do with that oak after that. We read about Abraham, who even after, uh, who followed God's command, even though at the time of his death, he hadn't seen this great nation that he'd been promised, and he was living as a stranger in the land that he would one day inherit. He kept going, even though he hadn't received the promise uh, that God had given him at that point in time. I want to skip down a little bit uh, to Hebrews 11 from about uh, verse 32. But there we read about, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, and this world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So there's some debate as to who wrote uh, the book of Hebrews. But there is evidence to suggest or a school of thought that says that it may have been written uh, by Paul. Paul, who was Saul, who watched as Stephen was stoned. Who, after Stephen was stoned, secured letters from the Sanhedrin to make sure that anyone who else who preached the gospel would suffer the same fate. And years later... After his own conversion experience, he writes those words. These people were all waiting for God's kingdom to come. So they're they're speaking about Old Testament uh, heroes. They're uh, They're waiting for God's kingdom to come. Then Jesus comes and he says that, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. By which he means that the kingdom of God is available now. And so our circumstances are a little bit different from those Old Testament uh, writers, but we can still learn about faith from them. But there's a mystery that we have to, we have to be real about and we have, to, we have to acknowledge. And that is that God's kingdom has come. Jesus has died for our sins. He has won the victory. He has ascended. He's in the right hand of the Father. We've received the Holy Spirit. And yet, the kingdom is still coming. And we live in this gap. And it can sometimes be quite painful to live in that gap. So, so far I've been talking about keeping the faith even when the chips are down. And we'll never be mature Christians until we have faith that cannot be shaken by our circumstances. But, If we only take these little snapshots of what we read in Acts, we get one picture of what the writers in Acts are trying to say. Let's look at some of the other stories that are happening in Acts, so that we can get a a full picture of what's going on. The first thing that we realize is that in Acts chapter 1, it's the story about the early church and in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is ascended, he is, ri- he is risen in power, and he ascends to the right hand of the Father. He says to the, the apostles, I will send you the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and the apostles are set on fire, literally, while they're waiting in this uh, room. Immediately after this, Peter addresses the crowds, and 3,000 are added to their number in one day. Of the one message uh, from Peter. One chapter later, in Acts chapter th- in Act three, Peter and John meet a lame beggar; he is healed in the name of Jesus. In chapter four, Peter and John are re- arrested and appear before the Sanhedrin. As Peter speaks, the elders of Israel were astonished and took notice that these men had been with Jesus, and they let them go. Philip is casting out impure spirits, healing those who are paralyzed, and baptizing people on the road. Peter is raising girls from the dead. Christians are cleaning up and taking names. It's almost exactly the opposite of what we were reading previously. The Christians are persecuted. The Christians are flogged. They are stripped and beaten. And at the same time, God's kingdom is breaking through. And so in the same way that we have to know in, in some ways God's kingdom is still coming, we also have to know that God's kingdom is breaking through into the dust and the sweat and the blood and the tears of our lives every day. God is alive, He is good, and He is mighty to save. So on the Monday, after I'm feeling so defeated and I'm living in the one section of Acts where I'm feeling persecuted and downtrodden, my mom, she sends me uh, a verse from the Psalms. My mom sends me the verse of the day every day. But on Monday, she sends me a verse of the day from Psalms 50 verse 15. And that says this, call upon me in your day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. My situation is still working itself out, but that is the hope that I needed in that moment. I needed that hope in order to hold on to my faith, to keep moving, to keep pushing forward. Now, I need to speak carefully, and I need to be sensitive. We've spoken about the mystery that the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is yet to come. And I have to say, and I know some of the stories of some of the people that are sitting here. Not every story has a happy ending. I know that sometimes, in spite of our faith and in spite of our hope, things don't go the way that we want them to. Stephen knew that. He preached his one and only sermon a great sermon. He knocked it out of the park. He receives a vision. He sees the heavens open and he sees the sun sitting at the right hand of the Father. What was his reward for that? People threw stones at him until he stopped breathing. We live in the gap. It's hard to live in the gap. On February the 21st, 1999 a little boy named Matthew Stanford Robinson passed away in his sleep. He was 10 years old. hope you don't mind if I... (coughs) I've got a frog in my throat. (laughs) Due to complications uh, at birth, he was blind... He was paralyzed from the waist down and had spent his whole life in a wheelchair. His father, Ernest uh, Robinson, commissioned a statue of his son on the gravesite where he was buried. I've got a picture of it that I'd like to show you. It's Matthew, rising out of his wheelchair and reaching skyward to depict the moment that he was set free of his earthly afflictions. If you believe in Jesus, your circumstances do not have the last say over your life. Your suffering does not have the last say over your life. The enemy does not have the last say over your life. Death itself does not have the last say over your life. Only God Himself has the last say. And His plan is to make everything new, to wipe every tear from every eye, to do away with mourning and crying and pain. If you don't believe me, you can read about it in Revelation 21. Never forget that God's most powerful work was done in a graveyard at Joseph's tomb after everybody had left and moved on with their lives 2,000 years ago. God hasn't forgotten about you. His kingdom is breaking through in our lives. And if we hold on in faith, our hope will not be in vain. The apostles knew that. Stephen knew that. Jesus knew that. It's hope that sustains our faith when the chips are down. Tony spoke about bread uh, a couple of weeks ago. He made quite an impression on my kids, who were chuckling about the devil feeding you like a duck for like days afterwards. But you don't get the full picture of the gospel if you just get the crumbs. We should be like a starving man. We should eat the bread, not letting even a single crumb go to waste. If you just get the crumbs, you may think on the one hand that the gospel is just about being faithful, just about hanging on through the storms, just about persevering until one day you die and maybe you get something uh, on the other side. On the other hand, you may think it's just about hope and that God's kingdom has already come. And that the good times are just going to keep on coming. We need both of those. If we were to get the full message of what the apostles are trying to teach us in the book of Acts. If we, need, if we read Acts, we, need, we know that we need both faith and hope. When Tony spoke about how we need bread... He was talking about the bread of the Word. In John 1.14, we read that the Word became flesh, and we know that John is talking about Jesus. Later, in Mark and Luke, we read about Jesus who at Passover took bread and broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. We're going to share communion today. Daryl's going to lead us in just a few minutes as the band comes up. But maybe your faith is wavering today. Maybe you need a little bit of hope. Can we as we just take this moment to have communion together now? Just to be reminded of the hope that is offered by Jesus. Jesus would like to offer you another type of bread to sustain you. He's the author and the founder of our faith. As Daryl comes up and we spend this time in communion, I pray that this week that you would be able to go forward in faith and hope in Jesus' name.